Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And we're talking about this verse over the next few weeks in the context of our church's mission. And of course, you know, I, I strongly believe that, you know, the, the, the head of an organization sets its mission and Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the head of this church. And Jesus has clearly communicated what the mission or the purpose of the church is to be. And we, we talked last month about living the great commandment and how significant that is. Yeah, that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind and all of our strength. And, and then, we are to not only love, uh, uh, live the great commandment, but fulfill the great commission. <clears throat> and so this month we're focusing in on what does that mean? Um, <clears throat> God's brought us into a love relationship with Him. All right, and we talked about the intensity, the the capacity, the overarching nature of the love that God has called us into, and that that is to be the defining aspect of our life. That we are to live the great commandment, we love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. All that is in us is to be in love. He's called us in love, into love. <clears throat> but from that place of being in love, all right, we're supposed to be sent out. Right? We're supposed to be sent out in love. We're supposed to be in love, but sent out. And so there's a, there's a correlation or a coming together. And it's very, very important, folks, that we get the great commandment first. Okay? Uh, we have to be settled into our identity. That we are lovers of God. Alright? That, uh, <clears throat> um, uh, that He tells us, um, that that first there is a communication and an understanding and a and a and a grasping of who we are in Him, and that it, and that before we go out and try to do something, we understand who we are, uh, that we are in love with Him, that our relationship with Him is grounded, and uh, that every aspect of our being is in love with Him. And then, from that place uh, of being centered in His love, we have the ability to go out and do what He's called us to do. That, that from, the, uh, from His love, we're able to go and fulfill the Great Commission. Listen, what's significant here is that it's our it's having the right that that we're being before we're doing. Does this make sense? Okay, we're human beings, not human doings. But we try so often to define our identity uh, by what we do, <clears throat> when we're supposed to define what we do by who we are. And God's called us into relationship with Him. The identity precedes process or task. Okay, it comes first. Um, otherwise, we try to earn or we strive to, um, to accomplish something and then based on that accomplishment, say this is who we are. But that, that gets the, 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 the cart in front of the horse, if you will. Alright, and it, and it corrupts actually. It corrupts the purpose we're called to. Alright, because we, you know, 
When Jesus came on earth, and he was born, we know the story of his, his, his coming in the Christmas story, and he, he grew up and he spent most of his life just a regular guy, a carpenter more, most likely. <clears throat> and it wasn't until about age 30 that he was baptized by John. And at the very first initiation, if you will, of his ministry, when he came up out of the waters, uh, before he'd done any miracles, before he'd taught any sermons, before he'd communicated anything, before he'd accomplished his death, God the Father said from on high out loud, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Okay? He didn't do anything yet. Alright? But there was a... God from heaven thundered it forth. And so Jesus, at the beginning of His ministry, had already started out in the place where he knew where he was in relationship to the Father. Alright? That was settled. And from that place of being settled, he was then able to go out and accomplish what he was sent to accomplish. And as Christians in the church, often <clears throat> turns it around. And, uh, you know, we're saved by grace, but then we got to work it. <laughs> you know, and we try to define our identity by what we do. You know, love is the great commandment, but go is the great commission. They boil it down to a single word. Love is the great commandment, but go is the great commission. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, there's a sense, <clears throat> I've been thinking about this a lot last night. I went to a marriage conference yesterday. <laughs> So I'm like, how am I not going to let this influence what I preach? I'm like, I can't. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so I'm really careful. I try not to watch too much television because it gets in there and comes out in my sermons. So, <laughs> But, uh, you know, the whole marriage, it was uh, Love and Respect, which is a great book, great series. Strongly encourage you to uh, integrate that into your understanding of marriage. But the big part of it is the male versus the female identity and, and how, the, how we're created differently. And the whole time I'm thinking, you know, God's all about love, the great commandment. And, you know, and women are built to love and that's like the feminine side, right? It's all about love, okay? <clears throat> and it is all about love. But then God, Jesus said, okay, now go take over the world. And I'm like, yeah! Alright! <laughs> it's, it's about love. Let's conquer the world! You know? You know, and the, and the guy in me just goes, thanks. Finally! <laughs> and it's true, okay? That we conquer the world in love and that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. But, you know, Jesus is not effeminate in that sense. Okay? He, when He comes, He's going to be riding a horse and He's going to be having a sword. And there's going to be death and destruction. Alright? In the name of peace. Because He will come and bring peace by the might of His power. The lion will roar. Alright? <clears throat> and so we have this foundation. And, the, and the, the purpose of the war is love. Okay? Love compels! Love compels. Compels you to do what? To go. Alright? And so, maybe you tune in more to the love, or maybe you tune in more to the go, but the fact is, we need both. And if we don't have both, we're imbalanced. Alright? We're out of whack. You know, we're a, you know, a bicycle with a flat tire. Yeah, you can go, but not very well. 
We need the commandment and we need the commission. Graham did a great job, didn't he, last week? Give him a hand. <laughs> All right. Sharing you know, the broad giving back all week. I'm going to, how am I going to top that? Wow. No. <laughs> uh, the context of the commission within the context of the story of the Bible and seeing how the Great Commission is uh, being fulfilled in our day. It was just an awesome overview and it just excited me. Uh, I was uh, just excited by the, the testimonies of how the gospel is sweeping the world. It really is. And, you know, there is a supernatural, I can't remember, it was 178,000 a day, right? 178,000 people a day are com- committing their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is unbelievable. And I've heard countless prophetic words over the last few years that there's going to be an acceleration. Ever since I got saved back in the 80s, can you imagine that? <clears throat> I'm talking about this. It's accelerating. The works of God are accelerating. And they are accelerating. In my lifetime, I've seen them accelerate. And, and you know, you get, you know, if you're, I don't know if you've ever done this. You're driving down the highway, you're going 70 miles an hour. <laughs> you know, for some reason, you got to pull off the road on the highway. And you ever stand next to the highway? Uh, like you're really close, and the cars are flying by. You're like, wow! Like, we don't realize... When you're in the car, driving at 70 miles an hour, you know, that's just normal. But if you're standing next to the road and the car flies by at 70 miles an hour, you're like, that's not normal. You know, man, we're going fast. And uh, the fact is, we've kind of gotten used to this acceleration of the gospel, or, or maybe we're not even aware of it because we're just focused in our little world. But there is a, an acceleration, and I believe that we're <clears throat> really on the cusp of the great revival of the end times. In fact, I don't think it's something that will happen. I'm sick and tired. Pardon me. Oh, <laughs> something people saying, it's about to happen. It's not about to happen. It's happening. We're smack in the middle of it. I'm telling you. This is it, baby. And if, you, if you're not aware of it, there's a reason. I'm trying to help you become aware of it. <laughs> Alright? This is it. This is it, man. This is the great revival. It's just, it just happens to be, it's, it's not USA-centered. Alright? We happen to be, you know, uh, centered on our own little world. It's not centered in the Western world. Centered in Asia and Africa. Alright? And this acceleration fundamentally is going to transform the world. Listen, there was a day at which the early Christians looked toward Europe and thought it'll never change. All those nations up there uh, 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 under the influence of all these pagan gods, no doubt they thought that European continent would never serve Jesus Christ. They're so culturally different. What we have to say has no relevance to their cultural frame of mind. Yet, within less than a thousand years, Europe becomes a center of Christianity. In a little over a thousand years. Okay? So, and now we're sitting in these pews saying, oh, wow, this next generation, they're so culturally different. Or, wow, the, uh, the, the Muslim world, it's so cultural. How could they ever? Or the Hindu world, how could they ever? Ha! They are! 
They are. People that are most risked of not grasping what God's doing is us. Alright? Because we think we already have it. I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out. The Great Commission is an unstoppable command that will be brought to completion. There is nothing that man can do. Nothing. To hinder the work of Jesus Christ. We have the awesome opportunity to participate. Or the risk of sitting back and watching it go by or missing it. While we fritter away at the mundane and become self-obsessed with our own cares and concerns. So over the next couple of weeks, I want to talk a little bit about what Jesus meant by the Great Commission. What does it mean? How does it apply to us almost 2,000 years later? How can we implement it in our day? And what does it look like to be a Great Commission Christian? A Great Commission Christian. How can we fulfill the Great Commission? Listen, before I jump into that... Um, I'll share a little bit, a little story. It happened just a week and a half ago. Kind of ties in, I hope. <laughs> I just want to tell a story. <laughs> a week and a half ago, remember that big storm that just barreled in on, on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning of uh, the Tuesday the first and, and Groundhog's Day. Remember it? Yes. Yeah. On the new CNN, it's the world's gonna end. <laughs> well, we had a flight. Out of Lansing, many of you know if you're Facebookers, <coughs> we, Kathy and I, you know, we, uh, just in faith, I got to get out of the snow. I needed some sun. So we <laughs> booked this trip to Cancun with Kathy and I. First time just her and I got away <coughs> for a long time. And, and But it was leaving at 7 a.m. in the morning out of Lansing on February 2nd. And uh, so... Thankfully, I decided to book a room in a hotel up there in Lansing. Um, so I was already in Lansing. <clears throat> and, of course, all the forecast, man. This, and this blizzard just barreling through the Midwest. And like, everywhere it hits, it closes it down. Worst storm in the decade, you know. Chicago is like, you know, the day after. <laughs> and we're sitting in the hotel. And we got up there. It wasn't even snowing yet. But then it started snowing. We're looking out the window. It's snowing bad, you know. And, and the weather channels. I was like, this is a, it's horrible, it's horrible, it's terrible, it's terrible, all airports are closed, you know. And we were, Kathy and I were like, oh, I'm go to the travel agent website, and oh, look, all oh, they, you know, they gave us, so this, our airline, no flights are canceled as of our yet, but we're expecting a significant uh, uh, <coughs> delays, and, and residents of Michigan, and one other state I can't remember, are, uh, we're giving a one-time exemption. If you call this phone number, you can reschedule your trip. No, no charge. So we're like, oh, wow, maybe, maybe we should just do it. You know, hey, it's an extra night in the hotel. <laughs> now, that's the only thing it will cost. We start looking at the calendar. Uh, uh, and, and we were, we were, you know, you're on that brink of what should you do? It's it's 9 p.m. at night. We got to go to bed so we can get up at 4 o'clock in the morning so we get to the airport at 6 a.m. And everything's saying, it, you are not flying out, okay? <clears throat> and so we were like, oh, what should we do? What should we do? What should we? And I just, I just I prayed and I was like, I think we should just go for it. 
You know, I'm not, let's just not call. I mean, worst case, maybe we don't get out till 6 p.m. And we land, we'll get there by dark, you know, cuts the trip off. Let's, let's just go for it. <coughs> so, so we wake up, and we first thing we do in the morning, we pull up, and the thing says it's on time. I'm like, how could this be? Every other airport's closed. <coughs> and we get in the, the hardest part was getting out of the parking spot in the hotel. <laughs> was stuck. I had to kick it with my shoe and back and forth, back and forth, finally get over this drift, pull up, Kathy hops in the van. We're driving to the airport literally behind the snowplow. <laughs> okay? The other side of the street that they haven't plowed yet had a foot of snow on. Okay? And we follow the snowplow. We're going, this is amazing. I can't believe it's on time. You know? Right, taking us practically right before the airport. They turn. We go up and turn left in the airport. We come in the whole airport and we walk through the thing and <clears throat> there's only one flight going out. Alright? And it's on time. I can't believe it. We get on the airplane. This is because the airplane was already there. It didn't have to come from somewhere else. It was already there the day before. <laughs> yeah, and there was no connecting flight. It was a direct flight. So, yeah, I know. It's great. Woo! And I, like everybody there was like, can you believe it? Like, we can't believe it. You know, where everybody in the room was all excited because they were like, and the guy checking in and says, this has got to be the only airplane in a hundred mile radius or more that's flying. You know, and we were like, super. <laughs> So, you know, by, the, by noon we were in Cancun. Hallelujah. Spent three nights on it. It was great. But we wavered. Okay? We really did. There was a point at which, yeah, I want to do it. Yeah, I want to do it. But uh, this is really stupid. You know? I'm like, if we don't call now, next week flights are all going to book up because everybody else is doing it. You know? And so we might not be able to do it. You know what? And we only had a few available dates. So... There was a wavering, and, and, and this ties in because we read in Matthew uh, twenty-eight sixteen that the eleven disciples went into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. And the word there literally means wavered. They weren't quite sure. All right. Uh, <clears throat> one uh, word picture says they were they hung in suspense. They were like. Do I go for it? There was an element within them, just like us in the hotel room, going, boy, I don't know. All right? And think of it. There they are. And scholars debate whether it was some of the eleven or other people with them, because they don't want to think that some of the eleven doubted. But the Bible just simply says, the eleven went, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Well, there was doubt there as well. What's clear from this is that even after Jesus' incredible life, right, all of the teachings, the multitude of miracles, his crucifixion, I mean, they were there and they saw it all, right? After the resurrection, you know, in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, it says that he presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them for, during 40 days and speaking of things pertaining the kingdom of God. So for 40 days after the, the story of the crucifixion and his burial and then the resurrection, we have only a few of the accounts recorded. 
But he, for 40 days, he went around appearing and teaching and explaining things to them. And after all that, they were on the mountain because he had told them to go to this mountain. They went to the mountain and there he is. And there was still some doubt. There was some wavering. Some had doubts. A couple of things point out, uh, jump out of this to me. <clears throat> One is that Jesus doesn't address the doubts. He doesn't say anything about it. He doesn't say, what is the problem with you guys? <laughs> James! <laughs> it doesn't change Jesus' authority. It doesn't change Jesus' identity. It doesn't change Jesus' intentions. In fact, Jesus doesn't say anything about it. The Bible records it, but Jesus doesn't alter His command. Doubt does not alter Jesus' uh, command. The presence of doubt does not hinder the power of faith. Okay? The doubt of some did not prevent those who heard and believed from responding. In fact, the acknowledgement of doubt in Scripture here, at the very climax of Jesus' earthly ministry, I think is very powerful. I think it, to me, it's one of those things in the Bible that just confirms that this is not some contrived myth. Alright? Okay, this is the... This is the climax of his whole earthly ministry. This is where everything... And if you were creating a story to convince people of something, you wouldn't put in that some of his core people weren't sure. <laughs> you know? And not even deal with it. I mean, they just mentioned that in passing. It's like, what, 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 what was that all about? All right? And, what, and it also confirms to me that this is the account, this is the record of real people like you and I encountering Jesus and being challenged to their core. Alright? The acknowledgement of doubt here says a lot of things to me. It says that, that doubt will not hinder God's plan, but He's also not afraid to mention it. Alright? It doesn't. It's not going to hinder it. Uh, but he, He's not afraid to deal with it. Right? <clears throat> it also did not prevent Jesus from calling His disciples to fulfill His purpose. The doubt that was present did not prevent Jesus from giving the Great Commission. Didn't, he didn't skip a beat. Alright? It also tells me another thing. It tells me that all of the miracles that happened, all of the miracles that, that those, those disciples had witnessed, even the, the resurrection itself, alright? was not enough to dispel all doubts. And I've experienced this personally. You know, you'd think if you saw a miracle, well, if I could just see one verified miracle, then I'd never doubt. That's just not true. You know why? Because you see a miracle, and you go, wow, I can't believe this. This is great, awesome. Fifteen minutes later, you're going, well, maybe it was just... You know, there's a perfectly good explanation. There's always a perfectly good explanation. Alright? You know, and there's this, 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 all of a sudden, no matter what happens, you know, boom. Your mind, it's just part of the carnal mind. It's the whole system that we're under. So, it doesn't discount miracles. I don't say miracles are important. Miracles are incredibly important. But miracles in and of themselves, not enough. 
You know, but the doubt is also not enough to hinder. Uh, most of all, what it means to me is that when I experience doubts or have moments of wavering, especially concerning what God's called me to, I don't have to fear. And I don't have to be ashamed. You know? Because, heck, I'm just like the 11. You're just like the 11. You know, I worship Him, but sometimes I waver. You know what? It doesn't diminish the call. Boom. That's it. All I need to do is fix my eyes on Jesus. See, if you're doubting, you're looking at your own self. You know? Look at Jesus. And allow the faith to rise up and overcome whatever obstacles presented. And just like the disciples that kept their eyes on Jesus, what did they see? They saw Jesus literally rise up into the clouds and overcome every obstacle. Alright? And that's still happening today. Saints, that has not changed one bit whatsoever. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Alright? Jesus, listen, think about this from a human perspective for a moment. Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. His eleven disciples came to the mountain. Some of them were doubting him. And he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. From a human perspective, what Jesus said was ludicrous. Alright? Jesus faced the authority of the Roman Empire when he faced Pontius Pilate. What happened? They killed him. Jesus faced the authority of the religious leaders. They rejected him. Even his own friends rejected him. Just a few weeks earlier. And, and, and here now, at the climax, even though he was resurrected, there was still some doubt in his inner core. Nevertheless, Jesus said, All authority has been given to me on heaven, in, in heaven and on earth. Okay, he's claiming authority over the entire planet. And if that was not enough, he's saying in the whole universe as well. <laughs> okay, let me just ask you. If you were the advisor to Caesar, who was ruling the world at that time, and you just happened to be at that mountain for some reason, and you heard this guy say that, what would your report to Caesar be? This is this weird thing, man. This guy showed up. I don't know where he came from. And there were some people saying, even some of them weren't too sure. And he said all authority was... And then he floated up into heaven. I don't think we have to worry about this one. <laughs> 300 years later, the Roman Empire declared that Jesus Christ was Lord over all the earth. Yeah. Yeah. Boom! <laughs> Jesus was speaking truth. From a human perspective, it didn't seem reasonable. But it was true. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. 
All of human history spirals out from this moment on the top of this mountain. I'm telling you. The course of human history made a 180 degree turn. It was spiraling down. And from that moment when he said, all authority has been given to me, therefore go. From that moment on, his followers, the ones who believe in faith, have been going despite doubts, despite obstacles, and they've turned the course of human history around spiraling out into a different direction towards His kingdom. Alright? In preparation. The whole course of human history is turned and will continue until Christ's return. This is an unstoppable commission. It hasn't been smooth, it hasn't been constant, and it certainly has not been predictable. Alright? But it has been unrelenting and it has been sure. And we're in the midst of seeing this progression which concludes in Revelation. It's described in Revelation 11-15. The seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. Alright? That will happen. And your ears will hear that. Alright? And you will either be on the side of the king bringing into that, that into fulfillment by living out and fulfilling the great commission and living the great commandment, or you'll be on the other side saying, I wish I'd tried harder. I wish I'd been a part of that. I wish I'd believed. Come on. Alright? We're called into this. Jesus' declaration of authority is the basis of our commission. Our confidence is not in our own worth or our ability, but in, it is in His authority received from the Father and delegated to His followers. You and I. Alright? You have, see, I have the authority of Christ Himself. What are you going to do with it? Alright? What are you going to do with it? You will stand before Jesus Christ, you and I, and we'll show what you've done, what you've earned with the talents that have been entrusted into your hands. It's time to put away the doubt. It's time to act in and with the authority that Christ has given us. It's time to live in love and go in the Great Commission to fulfill it. And to speak it, to share that love. We're going to dig deeper into what it means to walk out in His authority and the power He gives us um, that in the next coming uh, weeks. But I want Adam to come up and just kind of close in, in prayer and then do announcements. Hi, Adam. We're going to deal with this doubt right now. <laughs> All right. We don't need to. We don't need to have this. You know, I I love this message. I love the idea that the call is there regardless of our doubt, and that our doubt cannot stop the Great Commission. This is going to happen, but our doubt can stop us. Yep, that's right. So we're going to deal with that right now because we don't want that to happen. We want to be on board. We want to be on the side that is there when it's happening. We want to be a part of it. So we're gonna have we're just gonna have a little prayer. I'm gonna make this real. So Father, we confess our doubts. Lord, we confess even our lack of faith in, in, in your ability to make this happen. 
And God, we confess our doubts in ourselves and our role in this. Just take a minute right now and make that personal. Whether it's doubting an aspect of who God is and what He is going to do, or doubting your own abilities and God's ability to use you, regardless of your limitations. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would reveal to us clearly right now what the doubts are in our hearts and even the lies that we have believed. I pray that you would reveal that to us right now so that we can repent, so that we can give this to you and it can be removed from our life. So right now, just take 10, 20 seconds and let's just wait on God. Make this real. In your own words, whatever you need to do, repent specifically for the doubts that you have believed, the doubts that you've held on to, and the doubts that have held you back from fulfilling this call. So let's just let's just pray right now together. You don't have to pray super loud, but, but it's good to speak it out loud. So even under your breath, proclaim uh, your repentance for this doubt. Let's do that. Father. God, I repent. God, I repent for believing that people are lost. You're good. And Father, we just we just repent as a church. God, we repent as one. We repent for our, our doubts that we've had maybe about uh, individually, but also as a church that, that, uh, that we can't be effective or that we're insignificant. Father, we receive the truth that you have called us yes. for this time and this place. And we are part of the great commission that you proclaimed thousands of years ago. And we are part of it now. And we are so thankful, Father. And we just receive the call that you have for us as a church. As one, we come together. And we receive this call in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We have a few announcements as well today. First of all, we want to welcome our guests. If, uh, if you're new here and you have never filled out a connection card,